there. You're listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin. Dan Barracuda will once again be joining me to talk albums. We're talking uh, about an album that is very near and dear to my heart. Uh, we've got a lot of covers, so I, I don't want to take too long in this preamble. Just want to mention that Niagara Moon has a Patreon as of this week. It is full of a lot of cool stuff. If you're a Niagara Moon fan, I think you want to take a look at what's on there. Uh, check it out. It's uh, I'm excited about it. If you go to uh, Niagara Moon Music on Patreon. And uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it. But boy, oh boy, we got a great album for today. All Things Must Pass by George Harrison. And uh, I'm, I'm happy about the election. It's, it's, it's been quite a week, quite a ride. Um, all right, let's get into it. Well, Dan, literally minutes ago, uh, it has just been announced that uh, Biden officially won the election. Incredible. Increíble. And uh, we're talking about an album today called All Things Must Pass. All Things Must Pass. How's that for serendipity? I know. It's amazing, dude. George Harrison, a 1970. Whoo, 50 years ago. Right after the Beatles breakup. 50 wow. years ago. Yeah, to the month, November of 1970. Yeah, yeah. All things must pass, uh, including the Trump administration. November 27th and November 7th, wow. 20... 50 years ago. Incredible. Um, I was listening to this album for the podcast. I was revisiting it like the morning after yeah. election night. So Wednesday morning when it, you know, it started looking hopeful that, uh, you know, things yes. were going to change. And... Uh, it was a great listen for that. This is a gigantic album. Literally, figuratively, however you want to put it, metaphorically, this album is... So sonically, sonically. Gigantic, sonically. Phil Spector. It's massive. Yeah, dude. I love, I love it. I love this album. I love George Harrison. I love, I loved learning about it. Um, like, I didn't know Ringo played on My Sweet Lord. Oh, yeah. Fucking A, he did. Speaking of My Sweet Lord and, and Beatles, I swear I hear John Lennon's voice in the backing vocals, like in the ha oh, really? He's not credited. I don't know if that's just my imagination, but I swear I can hear him. a quote from someone that was there that said like john lennon was there but like george has never said it but like someone said that like john lennon, yeah, yeah. yeah i was at a session and like john was there I, I mean i bet this was a time when the dynamics were super comp super complicated between all the beatles and everybody I had to kind of uh, tiptoe they hated around. paul they it was mainly it was mainly everyone against yeah. paul though yeah because paul like paul like sued well them. I, what i think i mean we're <laughs> we're already going off the rails in the beatles speculation but i'm i'm all i'm all for it uh <laughs> I think what it was yeah. is what an, an unimaginably intense interpersonal relationship that group of four people had. 
And I think everybody was like, I'm not in my early 20s anymore. This is so stifling. This is just boggling my mind. I got to get I got to get out. I just got to get out. And Paul was probably right. the only guy who's like, I want to still do this and be with you guys. And everybody else is probably like, I can't fucking do it anymore, man. And then John, I think, was particularly going off the deep end and, and getting wrapped up with Alan Klein, the manager who seemed to be bad news. Like, I think there was a lot of, yeah. forget the music, forget creativity. I think there was a lot of business drama going on and, and some, some misguided decisions. Oh yeah. Big time, big but, time, big time. Yeah. The kind of the core of what we're getting to is like George is playing with Ringo. I bet he was still getting along with John. Like it was really, you know, the, the three of them could have kept doing stuff together easily without Paul. Yeah, I mean, yeah. George plays on, like, yeah. Imagine. He plays on the Imagine album. And they were all you know? writing songs for each other, like George and John were both writing songs and singing with Ringo. And, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of crossover. Just the, the sheer ambition of this album, All Things Must Pass, and everybody involved. And you have the uh, famed producer, infamous producer, Phil Spector. Phil, Phil, yeah. Uh, he was a nightmare. He was a nightmare during these sessions. I mean, well... <clears throat> Yeah, we'll get into Phil Spector speculation too. I got I got some thoughts yeah. on that, but this was just a huge affair. So many people involved, and I, yeah, I got to the spirit of the Beatles and and their camaraderie spilled into something here. But it it's not what makes this album great, uh, right? And it is a great album, dude. I you just you just remember rem- reminding me. I actually had a dream last night that I was like hanging out with George and I was talking to him about <laughs> this album, and it was like so vivid. Wow. I remember it was so awesome. I love this album, dude. <laughs> I'm so glad we did this too. I'm so yeah. I, I, I I didn't know like a ton of these songs. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it yeah. was like well, there's like 27 of it, them or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Over 20. Uh, yeah. What a perfect pick for for this week. All things must pass. Um, I'm calling it right now. We're not going to get through the whole scope of this thing either. Just the the lore or this. There's too much to cover. The songs like. There's so many different ways right. to come at this, but I'm excited. It's just so it's so badass, and I can't believe he released it in 1970. Like he had this material boiling. Oh yeah, he mu- he must have, and he didn't decide to do it till like like late late in the game. Mm. Like he, it was like a it was kind of like a quick thing. It wasn't like I didn't it didn't seem like it was super like premeditated. Like right, he was right. like oh, I'm broken. I don't like I don't know if I want to make music now. Uh, and then like something, ha- I forget what happened, but like he just decided to do it and he got all the strings together and he got all, all the connections together right, and he like right. did it. I mean, I think that was Phil Spector or maybe just some unknown figure beneath Phil Spector, but I think it was a perfect pairing. It was, George had a bajillion songs and probably, I mean, this, this album screams a little bit inferiority complex, <laughs> both on, mm. on George's part and Phil Spector's part. You feel like they're extra trying to make up for some some frustration like george with his oh, uh, yeah. input being stifled in the beatles and god knows what goes on yes. in the mind of phil specter but just there's such this maximalist trying to like prove a point aspect to this album yeah there's so many how many there's like six discs right uh there's well i don't know about it was three albums three three lps three three records three back LP, in the day. three lps yeah this this is like the, this is a tale of three albums and we'll we'll get into what that means later on too but um i think he i think he might have been a little wayward who the hell knows but you know he's got these songs what do you mean what do you mean what do you mean wayward wayward like george harrison was a little you know his a little maybe a little rudderless for a second there that you know the group's dissolving 
there's a little uncertainty. There's there's legal bog downs, but I bet he yeah. he paired up with the right collaborators who spurred him on to to really like give this his all. That's kind of my guess. Like uh, um, yeah. Klaus Vormann, the bassist for this album, yeah, old friend yeah. of the Beatles he plays from on, Germany. He plays on John. He plays on John's. Oh records. yeah, he plays with Ringo. He's one of my favorite bassists of all time. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Just we we touched on on this earlier, so the very nerdy thing to say here too. But if you could give me like any rhythm section from history that I would just personally want to work with, I feel like it'd be hard to do better than Klaus Vormann and, uh, and Ringo or Jim Keltner, the the other drummer on this album is amazing too. I want I want those two, the the yeah. groove they set up. Ah, just could talk about it for days. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Ringo, the, uh, are there two drummers on My Sweet Lord? Isn't it Ringo and somebody? On a lot of songs and probably that one, yeah. There, there's two drummers because <laughs> why? This is let's throw in everything. Are they playing the same exact thing? Are they playing the like same fills? Same? How does that work? I don't know how it works. Uh, I had a f- uh, older friend in Japan who's, who did like engineering work part time, and he's like, "Yeah, I love that album." I tried to track two drums, like two different drum sets two different uh drum, drummers for my album and it didn't work it got messy like I, I don't know how you pull it off it's that's that stuff you usually hear in like prog albums right king crimson does three dr- king crimson <laughs> does three drum sets i don't know how you make it work but it it helps it sound just even that more massive right wawa there's definitely it's two drummers ma- on wawa mass- wawa's wall of, yeah, wall of sound wall of sound man So, I freaking adore the obvious one is My Sweet Lord. Yeah. I love My Sweet Lord. I just love it so much. I think it's still my favorite. I think it's still my that favorite. That is the one of to point to. I just love it so much. But, dude, the chiffons, the chiffons. Yeah. The, you know that's the, 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 group. the group? It's similar, dude. It's similar. Yeah. There's a lot of effing songs that are similar. I think. They sued George and they, like, kind of won. You know why he got sued? Because he's got money. He was loaded. He was especially famous. He became a target. But I bet, especially at that time and even today, plenty of people are, are stealing little bits here and there, or adapting them, you know, shifting them a little up a little bit. It's totally valid. Yeah. A bunch of artists do it. And he was a target because of his, his uh, prominence. I think it's BS. It's very similar. It's very similar. Though. He shouldn't have had that lawsuit. That's his goddamn song. That's his own unique magic. <laughs> I don't care if the melody's a little similar. It was the chords too. Yeah, chord schmords. Every goddamn pop song in the fifties was C A minor F G. So who cares? The chords are beautiful. George has all like the dissonant chords going on, and then the bam, 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 bam. Yeah, yeah, the diminished chords. Specialty. I love the diminished chords. I use a lot of diminished chords in in my stuff for Niagara Moon. Just it adds such a cool extra flavor every time. He does it so he does it in um he does it in like a ton of songs. Ton of songs. Uh, I want I want to tell you I want to tell you I feel hung up and I don't know where like that chord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He loves yeah just messing with stuff a little bit, breaking up the uh, the melodic routine with with some kind of a uh, strange chords. What I what I think is super interesting is that isn't it? A, I actually don't really like is it in a pity that much. It has its place it's it's it only belong i think it belongs as like the end of this gigantic album 
And with the Phil Spector production and all the instrumentation and it evolves and it's it's a sonic beast, you need it in that context. If you just like play it on a guitar, it's 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 too yeah floaty but it's like it's it's more like the the lyrical flow i don't really like i don't like he's like rhyming and it sounds nice and then when he's like anymore and then he's like isn't it a pity oh like, well I just, you're like, on your own with it that just, like, ru- it. It, yeah you love that it like rubs me like wrong it grew on me it wasn't always one of my favorites but i guess it has it hasn't grown on me i the the message that comes through and his delivery on that song i, I do love yeah and have you noticed that like this the end of isn't it a pity is very similar to the end of hey jude it's very similar it's like almost the same chord yeah. progression except one dissonant he adds like a, a dissonant chord it's like it's very mm-hmm. like hey jude it's like pity you're, you're right pity, I, do, I hear that pity pity it works so yeah. If it works, it works. No, I think it was intentional. <laughs> oh, kind of like a nod to that, maybe? Yeah. Could be. Well, kudos to that. Uh, oh, God, there's so many... So many highlights on this album. But I think my favorite song besides My Sweet Lord is I Live For You. Interesting. I wouldn't have seen that coming. I love it. I also love Run of the Mill. Behind the Lecture was nice. I love What Is Life and Wawa. What Is Life? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now you're talking my language there. Yeah. I feel like... So that's the first song that I ever became familiar with for this album and I heard because I heard it on the Goodfellas soundtrack. Oh. Are you good are you a Goodfellas fan? No, I don't know it that well. It's they're playing it on this huge montage when like the main character is about to get, finally get nabbed by the police and he's like high on coke and like driving around and doing oh, a bajillion errands and keeps thinking there's a helicopter in the sky and what his life is playing in the background. He's like, there's fucking helicopter. <laughs> wow. That's a yeah, that's a great it's a great song. It's so like it's so energizing. It's got such a infectious energy yeah. to it. It's it's so high energy. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. There's. All right. I I don't know where to go from here, but I. My <laughs> big feeling about this album. So it's it's amazing. Just it's it's got so many songs that I love. It's a huge influence on the kind of music I like to make, and it's all that I love. Phil Spector's work on this. It's kind of like. The other, the other thing is I've always heard this album on my iPod, my iPod classic from like, you know, 10 years ago. I still like listening to music on there more than, than iPod or iPhone or whatever. It's very stuck in my ways. Like I have a track list of All Things Must Pass that's all garbled, like it just didn't import correctly. So I have like my own order that I've listened to this album in. Oh. It starts with Beware of Darkness for some reason. Wow. Which I think... I, I like it that way. I think that's the, the, a good first song to, to get into for this album. That's cool. And what it is is all my favorite songs from the album happen to be the first 10 or 11 in the sequence. 
And that's like most times I listen to All Things Must Pass. I get up to that first, you know, like regular album length of songs. And I'm like, this is freaking best album ever. You got Wawa. You got What Is Life. You got uh, My Sweet Lord. Waiting on You All. That's huge for me. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, isn't it a pity? Apple Scruffs. Um, all Things Must Pass, a title track. Like you just, you have all the, just my favorite nuggets of this album clumped together. But then it keeps going on. And, you know, this album's gigantic. It's, it's got over 20 songs. You got um, Run of the Mill. You got uh, If Not For You, Art of Dying Behind That Locked Door. You got all those tunes. That, those are all for me, very easily listenable, enjoyable songs. And nice, and I'm glad that they're released, but they don't like touch the the peaks of the first right. chunk for me. Right. So it's like three tiers. That's like the second. That's tier. your order. That's your iPod order. Yeah, yeah. And then so, but then for the for this week, I listened to it on Spotify, which is interesting. But then you get to the last tier. They insisted on on calling it a triple album and having three discs worth of material. And that last album is dog shit. I'm sorry. It's like that's just I, pure. I, I think, hubris yeah. that they released it officially. Yeah, I remember Jeep. Thanks for the pepperoni. I don't need I don't it. Know, it's blue, it's boring. Johnny's blues. It's just like jamming. Jam. Uh, Garbage. I think at the we're, time it was like a cool thing to do. Like we're jamming. You know, it was like it's a 1970. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, it's it's all hype. It's like well, it's got to be the biggest album. It's going to be triple disc, so we can validate charging more for it. all freaking awesome even when we're just jamming this sounds awesome people want to hear all this i'm george harrison i was in the beatles and i'm phil Spector, and i'm sure everybody's doing lines of cocaine it was the first number one single it was the first number one single from the yeah. next beatle oh yeah, yeah, yeah no, that, all that part of the album is great but the fact they needed to drag this out so much and have all this extra filler crap yeah at the well, end. i don't know why the, yeah and if all right if you're gonna do that make it like a special fans only kind of thing like don't lump it in with the rest of this album and call it All Things Must Pass. That's just everybody's doing lines of coke and getting ahead of themselves. Like, <laughs> I want to, I want to, maybe, you're, maybe all- you're right about Harrison, like, wanting to make a point. Like, he's like, he's, he gets like one song per album and then he gets like two songs per album at the Beatles and then boom, <sighs> like a triple fuck. Need to, it's obnoxious, I think. It's that's where it's the magic fades a little bit. You know, he's singing about surrendering yourself, surrendering yourself to God and all that. That magic fades mm-hmm. a little bit when I got to hear 11 minutes of stupid out of the blue or whatever. Make it, make that a special add on, like deluxe edition, fans only, whatever, fine. But to call that part of the mm-hmm. official album, you're tainting it. This could have, all right. This could have been, as a single disc, one of the best albums of all time, easily and just like undeniable, every step of the way, amazingness. To make it a yeah. double album with like these songs, like you, you still, you love a lot of those songs that I consider like eh, not quite as good. Like fine, have a very, very respectable double album. Like behind that locked door. Yeah. Oh, I, I have, have you anytime. anytime. That, I mean, I, I put that on the the top tier. It's a very good song. Yeah. I, I had no idea that was the album opener, like the official, <laughs> the official one. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting choice, but it like brings you into the sound of the room and everything. That's why I think "Beware of Darkness" is even better though, because it it slowly brings you uh, in, but in, in an even more like <sighs> cinematic way. But yeah, that's I I was getting a little frustrated with the idea that it can't just be this perfect album. It's like. 
there's a perfect album in there, and then there's a lot of clutter. More so than you get with most double albums, I think, or triple albums. Wow. I dig love the art of dying. Dude, I don't like I don't like this version of All Things Must Pass as much as the anthology version when it's just Harrison and his like ah, you nuts. the tremolo. Ah, I don't I, I like that version more. I don't like I don't I actually don't I like don't like it. Hmm. <laughs> it's so nice when it's him in the microphone being like Sunrise doesn't last. It's like just him telling you. But otherwise, it's like sunrise doesn't last. It's like so much going on. Well, here's Delio. <laughs> Granted, I I knew that version way okay. before. I knew the naked version like way before. All right, all right. I was like, this song is beautiful. Like all thing, and like it's got the tremolo guitar. And then when I heard like the real version, I was like, oh. <laughs> Maybe it's not for everyone, but I really, I really feel like when you have a song that that it's that slow and that open, and kind of non-committal, like it, it, you know, it takes a while to get to where it's going. Songs like uh, uh, "All Things Must Pass" and "Isn't It a Pity," I feel like they're perfectly complemented by having that just all that stuff tossed in because it gives your your listening mind something to keep keep the energy going the whole time. I. Keep it going. feels too empty without it, and yeah. I can totally see. Even though it is a good song, I can totally see why the Beatles rejected playing it because I don't. For me, I feel like it doesn't fit as much in that context. But I wonder what that looked like. What What did a Harrison? What did the Harrison? What did a Harrison rejection look like? And I'm sure there were a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure there's. Is it is it like Paul and John being like, hey George, you know we, we've been thinking about it and like we we don't like it, like we don't think it's good. Enough. Oh man, that's way too nice. I bet that's giving them way too much credit. I be, I bet it's just like they give him like half an afternoon. John's like, I don't like and it, and they just don't talk about it. And then they're like, oh yeah, well I'm I'm putting in Dig a Pony. That I mean that that's taken up. You know, we're we're doing uh, one after nine oh nine. So I I don't possibly see where where uh, here you know like I bet there there's probably a brick wall there at some point. Um, Jesus, I wonder who was more of a dick about it. But in John and Paul's defense, George did not have the goods really until the band was just about broken up. Uh, he had some very good songs that are in the Beatles catalog, but he he was really he was literally like this. Like going up. He didn't like Abbey Road was his prime. Yeah, yeah. Something but, and Here Comes the Sun are the two best songs right. in the album. Great time to pick your prime when the band's already on the way out. You know, bring it for uh, for yeah. Rubber Soul. Well, how about uh, white? How about how about white? Uh, white album. He has great songs oh, in the white yeah. album. Yeah, he, he does. He's got uh, you know, while my guitar gently weaves, and he's got piggies. Uh, I piggies. love piggies. I love piggies. <laughs> long, piggy, long, piggy, long. Piggy, piggy, piggy. He no, he, he by then yes, he definitely like. It took him till like '68 to to get it, to become the songwriter he became, but it was a little, it was a little too late. So I'm I'm glad he had a solo career to to get these songs out. I I really there's more to his solo career than even just this album. I yeah. really do like uh, Living in the Material World, uh, which came out after this. Has a lot of great stuff. And then he had a hit in the '80s. Yeah, I got my mindset on you. That's a cover though. Oh, is it really? Yeah, but. Uh, I like um, what's the the traveling Wilburys, uh Their song "Handle Me with Care." That's a good one. Oh, he wrote yep. that. 
When did he create that? Late 70s? Which one? Traveling Wilburys. Traveling Wilburys was late 80s, early 90s. I didn't know it was that late. Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, get, getting back to All Things Must Pass. So I'm gonna, I want to mainly just focus on the songs I love the most because there's just yeah. so much to get into otherwise. But freaking Wawa. Can we talk about Wawa for a few minutes? And I'm afraid of you. It's so nice. How do you like the this, the brass, the sa- the sax section on that song? Oh man. It just like sounds so cool. It sounds so good. It's a specter sound, dude. Yeah, I'm normally not a live music guy. Just not interested in watching concert footage or whatever, but I saw a little bit of the concert for Bangladesh from 1971, and it was this huge affair, this huge benefit concert. He, I mean, A, they look amazing. George, you know, has this crazy, like, Rasputin beard and the the Jesus hair, and he's got this super sharp white suit, and he's kind of gaunt, but he's just got, he's got poise, and they're doing wah-wah, and it's... Ringo looks super cool, and then like it's the two drum thing again. You got Jim Keltner playing with Ringo. It sounds so good. Like, oh, that show would have been amazing to see. Wow, I gotta check it out. Like he could he could bring it live, and Wawa sounded amazing in that context. Jesus. Yeah, he looks so cool in it, and sounds great. Yeah, I'm looking it up on YouTube right now. I'm just like look, oh, have it muted. Giving me oh, oh. oh my god, look at him. It was in Madison Square Garden. Wow. And Ringo was at the show. Ringo was at the show. Bob Dylan played. I mean, it was a who's who, but Harrison himself sounded amazing there with his band. The Phil Spector sound, dude. Yeah. Okay. Phil Spector did Motown. He did Beach Boy. He did Pet Sounds. Uh, Phil Spector did not do Pet Sounds. Um, And Brian Wilson was like, this guy's fucking amazing. He's my hero. Uh, I'm going to produce my next album myself, but I want everything to sound like Phil Spector. Oh. He was heavily inspired by Phil Spector, but kind of like outgrew him. But yeah, it's it's that same approach to uh, to making albums. And Phil Spector did Let It Be, or he did like, he did Let It Be? Phil Spector salvaged Let It Be. So they had all these sessions and had all these bad feelings around it. And then Phil Spector came in and turned it into like a releasable album. That's how the story goes. And his whole thing is that like he he'll record like a string quartet like like five times, or he'll have like five string quartets play the same thing. Either or. He he was so interested in all these kind of mod like modular combinations of it, and then like recording the sound that would come out of the like speakers, and then using and then maybe like playing that back and recording that again to give it a like. He was doing all any kind of permutation of like studio experimentation you could get into with making making things sound full on like tinny 60s car stereos in mono that's what he was about and he was yeah he was all about like if you have this many people playing or this many like overdubs it doesn't just sound like one instrument anymore it sounds like different combinations of instruments like you can't point out any one thing happening it just comes at you all at once which is what that's what he was into um and in the right context i think it works magnificently Wow. 
It works in this album really well. My Sweet Lord, dude, there's five acoustic guitarists playing My Sweet Lord. And he and like George Harrison was like really a big stickler about their strum pattern and make sure right, it's like right. perfectly in sync. It sounds massive, doesn't it? Like it works. Like you want that many. It sounds I've always loved that acoustic sound. Yeah. It's so big. It's so big and it's so thick and it just... And it's in Abbey Road. They recorded in Abbey Road. Oh, you'd have to. Um, how about a Waiting on You All? How do you like the uh, the sound of a Waiting on You All? Yeah, I mean, it all just sounds so great. A Waiting on You All, right before All Things Must Pass. That's the biggest sounding song on the album. Well, maybe that <sighs> and Wawa. Just... Wawa's a wall of sound. It's a wall of sound. Yeah. <laughs> It's a wawa of sound. I did hear an alter, alternate version of "A Waiting on You All" that I do like as much as the original. Actually, oh yeah, it's just, it's super stripped down. It, it's just George on rhythm guitar and a bassist and a drummer, and he's singing. And there's no overdubs beyond that. Uh, oh my god, that sounds so good too. It's it's a very different take on it, but it's so. Where's that? Where is that? It's so crisp. It's so popping. Um, it was released, Martin Scorsese did a George Harrison documentary and it was released as part of that. I forget what it was called, but if you look up like a Waiting on You All early take, oh, it's so, okay. it's so, he has such a feel. There's such a like rhythmic drive in there that you just really do not get very often. It sounds amazing. Wow. I'm going to check that out. How do you like the line, uh, the Pope owns 51% of General Motors, so the oh, stock yeah. exchange is the only thing he's qualified <laughs> to quote us. Yeah. <laughs> There's footage of uh, Harrison, like, I don't know if it was like 10 years later or whatever, uh, kind of revisiting that album, you know, for some promotional thing. He's, he's like, you know, interacting with the uh, the master tapes, you can see him kind of cringe a little bit on that line because he's like, oh, "I wouldn't do that anymore." Yeah, <laughs> you know, be that outspoken, but I, I think it's it's pretty righteous. God, man, he's the coolest guy, man. He's quite an enigma, isn't he? He he really is. And then the whole thing with like Patty Boyd and like it wasn't around the time that like Clapton was falling in love with with her. Yeah, I don't like Eric Clapton. I'm gonna get that off my chest. I don't like. I don't like his vibe. I I kind of like Cream. I heard he was like he got into like heroin. I read oh, it on he was Wikipedia. A huge... He got into heroin because of the guilt. You know what? The, you know what? I read that today though. That's just the kind of shit that music publicists or journalists just come up with like the, like as spin. a compelling. You know, he's. I bet he's gonna get into drugs no matter what. And then that's like a convenient way you can kind of spin it to make like a dramatic s- story. You know? Yeah. But there is. That's true. That he kind of took. Uh, George's wife away from him. Did that hurt George? Like, or was it? I seemed like he was cool with it or something. Like, yeah, uh, I think it was explained. He was like, okay, you know, I bet I think they probably grew apart from each other, and he he moved on pretty quickly and, and found the uh, Olivia Harrison. I think that was the love of his life. Oh, and then, the, oh, and then he was married to her yeah. for like thirty years. Yeah, so I I don't think that was all the all the personal turmoil george harrison was going through i don't know if that made it to the the top of the stack really but it's interesting to think about harrison died in like 01 i think 
or 2000? Yeah, he and I think it was of cancer, but he had this horrific knife attack, uh, stabbing incident. Like someone broke into his house, and yeah. I don't know how many times he stabbed him, but it was like it was a double digit number. And I was like, oh god, like, ah, oh. yeah. And I think his his, I think at least his wife was there. Like it was, a, you know, a lot of people speculate he would have lived longer if it wasn't for this horrible um, attack that happened to him shortly before. And who the hell was that? And what was like the motive behind that? Freaking Mark David Chapman number two. Yo, can you imagine if 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 Lennon, if uh, Harrison got murdered, like Paul McCartney would have been <laughs> Jesus Christ, every Beatles gonna get murdered. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, like two down, two to go. Oh yeah, that's so gruesome. There's a real, real danger that comes with being as famous as they were in that way. In that era, like that was that probably, I mean, haunted them the rest of their lives to some degree. I mean, Wawa, you made me such a big star, cheaper than a dime. Like, I I think he's he's kind of touching on some of those frustrations a little bit, if I'm going to speculate. Yeah. What do you like more, Wawa or what is life? I like Wawa more. I think I like, I think I like Wawa more too. Yeah, you know what's crazy? You know what I hear a lot of? I hear a lot of like Tame Impala. Like like how tame takes from oh. this sound. Like it's just like the yeah. drums, the drums, and like the the sound. I just hear like tame and ball. I'm like wow. Like good call. This is like Kevin Park. Kevin Park is going for. It's kind of where like '60s hippy dippiness meets serious groove. Like Wawa, that's a serious groove. That is funky. And you got uh, Billy Preston and all that playing on playing on songs like that. Billy Preston, yep. But it's also it's it's wah wah pedal. It's it's you know sixties. It's a little trippy. But it, I think that meeting is is the Tame Impala sound too. Yeah, I want to learn more about Phil Spector and like what he did with like the sound. Oh, he, Phil Spector's done so much. Um, he, the deal with Phil Spector, I think he was always uh, he was. I mean, who knows what trauma he had like in his childhood? But he was. A super like overcompensating for his like inferiority complex, but also you know being a complete uh, creative genius at the same time. But just like a uh, just to take charge, like dickhead, just you know was appropriate for the uh, the entertainment industry at that time. He, you know, about how he ended up like murdering his wife yeah. in the two thousand something, and just completely became a, a crazed lunatic. He had a horrible car accident in the 70s that I think he was never the same after. Like, I think there was brain injury, something going on there that, like, warped his personality even further. Not to excuse his awful behavior, but, like, he... The the, the Phil Spector here was probably a lot more diplomatic and grounded than the character he became to be a little bit, too. Gotcha. He came to be. That was a weird way to say that. Um, wow. He produced uh, Leonard Cohen with bizarre results. He produced Leonard Cohen. He produced like 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 Hallelujah. No, he uh, if only no. He he produced um, a late seventies Leonard Cohen album and made it sound completely like Phil Spector happening happening to feature Leonard Cohen. I I quite like that album though. I think it it turned out cool. But like Leonard Cohen was like disgusted with the results and. Like felt you know physically threatened, <laughs> at the, like working with him. The guy just became a total psycho. But I think he was still on the rails a little more with all things must pass, and and really helped drive the album further. Holy cow! Yeah, he worked with the Ramones, Phil Spector. What? The Ramones, what did he do with the Ramones? On like a, not a very good Ramones album. 
Yeah. But is there like strings and shit on it? Like it's a punk band. Oh yeah, no, it it goes big. Yeah, it goes like old school 60s sounding. Wow. Be- because he started with Motown, right? He did like the Supremes or something and didn't he do like the, um, the Motown stuff? Like how did he land a gig with the goddamn Beatles? I don't know if he did Mo He did uh, River Deep Mountain High. Well, here's the thing. I think he worked in New York City. Motown was Detroit. But if people came through New York City, uh, I think he, he was he was one of the big guys. Uh, he he did um, "Be My Baby." I don't know if that counts as Motown or not, but like a lot of that, you know, '60s like radio pop girl group stuff. He totally was was the guy behind a lot of that. Oh yeah, well New York's not New York City. He uh, "Be My Baby's in Hollywood. Whatever. Point being, he was not based in Detroit, which is where a lot of the uh, the true Motown came out of. But it's it's all the same. You know, it spills over into other records and all that. Ooh, my lord, but it takes so long, my oh, long, so my lord. The chords are beautiful. I learned the. It's co- so repetitive, but in such an effective way. Yeah, but it, uh, he does something smart, and he modulates. Yep, yeah. And the, the modulation is really, um, you know, for uh, he did something smart for like a repetitive idea. The, the pacing of it is beautiful, just perfect. Oh, it's so yeah. nice. Hare Krishna. Hallelujah. But yeah, that was a hit, man. My Sweet Lord was a big hit. You're damn right. How do you like uh, Apple Scruffs? Yeah, I like it. Uh, that's that's another highlight for me. So Apple yeah. Scruffs. I like that weird ass modulation. Yeah. Apple Scruffs. Apple Scruffs. How I love you. How I love so cool yo how about the album cover though it's iconic that's for sure it kind of looks like it's like the four Beatles, right yeah. like they're like little garden gnomes and they're like and he's just kind of all things must pass yeah he's he's left by himself all these little 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 men have fallen over and he's he's the last man standing yeah i'm like super interested in like specter right now like i'm i'm i want to learn more about yeah. him I, i'm seeing i'm watching some document i see some documentaries on youtube yeah he, it's a rabbit it. hole he kind of reminds me of Robert Durst nowadays, though. Who's that? Uh, the guy from the Jinx HBO series, like super rich, like real estate magnate who obviously murdered like three different people over a few decades, but just evaded capture wow. and is weirdly kind of charismatic in a really creepy way. But I don't know. They just have very similar um, odd odd vibes to them. But I, 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 I love the idea of a producer having a sound. It's it's I I just hope this this album doesn't ever get too eclipsed by Phil Spector's Shadow because it I mean there's him producing but there's so many amazing session musicians you know at this this same time yeah. and, and George George had so many songs for Aaron to go so many amazing new sort of uh, song and it's slide guitar we haven't even gotten into the slide guitar yet that's like a huge part of the album. I mean that's why I love if not uh, I live for you, dude. He was I live for you. Boom, 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 oh no, it's boom. cool. Oh, totally cool. Yeah, so smart. I love it. All alone in this world, not a girl, and dude, like, don't give a start on my sweet lord, like. And the thing is. So playing like that, I don't think that's even technically that difficult, right? 
Like he's not some virtuoso. Sly guitar is yeah. It's not like he's not some virtuoso, but it's like Sly guitar is like you know it's hard. T- it's his hard. taste in having it sound like like his the tone taste. he gets, and then how he plays it, like the the melodies he he plays, and where they come in, and how it's such a focal point. Like that's another huge, amazing triumph. Is is that like I I don't think people were playing it like that before. It's so cool. It's so taste. That's what it is. So, it's so such tasteful. a sweet spot. I also love his sound. His tone yeah. is amazing. Uh, I did see like a Phil Spector quote being like he he was like beyond perfectionism, George. Like he tried. He tried like he tried like so many harmonies yeah, for the bam 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 bam. But he's like he's like until we finally settled on just two yeah, yeah. lines. Like we had like so many. He was trying all this stuff. I mean, dude, you break up from the biggest cultural fucking thing of the 60s, you know, the biggest music group of all time. You didn't get, even though you're a song, a perfectly good songwriter in your own right, you really didn't get the influence that you wanted in that group. It's finally time for your solo album. That's pressure, you know. All eyes are on he you. He said that. All he, the media's he's, talking he's, about He once it. said, like, there's a quote of him being like, the beautiful thing about breaking up with the Beatles is that I was able to, like, make like like collaborate with so many other musicians that i haven't got i didn't get a chance to be and make my own song called the shots yeah must have been nice for him because you know he felt so subdued with under john and paul and then and then when and then when the beatles break up he is like the man of the room wherever he is oh yeah and he's like he's the commander man and he must have been like all right yeah yeah let's let's play (laughs) these tunes behind that lock god there's still so much i feel like we haven't gotten through what do you think of uh if not for you the dylan cover if not for you babe i couldn't even find the door i couldn't even see the floor that's a dylan cover that's a dylan song i didn't know dude is there anything else that's a cover in here before i like Jesus. Uh, the only covers, no, that's the only one in this album is uh, If Not For You. And then he supposedly co-wrote I'd Have You Anytime with Bob Dylan. He did? Yeah, he he was, but he got buddy-buddy uh, with, with Dylan like in 68 um, when he was holed up playing with the band, you know, like the basement tapes and all that, either 67 or 68. And they had like some sessions together and became friends. Um so he's, he's one of the few people to co-write with it's, Dylan. It seems like George. It seems like George was like humble enough to actually like hang out with yeah. people, like Clapton and and Klaus and and all these people, right? And it seems like John is like with Yoko in his own castle, Paul's in his own castle, and like I don't. Yeah, I think you kind of got a point. It just there. seems like it seems like George is like in the scene. George is like I, in maybe the scene. around this time that it was it was that way. I mean, Lennon eventually, you know, it was going around LA with Terry Nelson and buddies with David Bowie and all that. Like Lennon got out in the seventies. Oh yeah. He, he did do fame. He did fame. Yeah, he was 1970. I think that was a pretty shit year for him and McCartney. Like McCartney just tried to get away to the, the highlands of Scotland and stuff. He was like depressed. No, it was, uh, it was, uh, probably a pretty traumatic experience, but yeah, Harrison was ready to just, Kind of, yeah, take command. I think he was waiting for that, exactly. So uh, you should listen to the original, if not for you. I'd be curious uh, to hear your your take on the differences. Yeah. I happen to like the original a little bit more. It's just, it's faster. It's more cracking. It's more popping. It just, the, I happen to really like uh, Bob Dylan's vocal delivery from that time a ton, too. 
on the new morning album but it's people different uh, people at different i have like things. so many youtube tabs up yeah, right now yeah this, i have like a youtube tab for like everything to check out after yeah. this man so i we barely scratched the surface yeah we should probably uh yeah I don't know, when you think of this album and you think of just like your, either your favorite songs or your favorite aspects of it, just really all put in a one clump. What 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 are all the the highlights for you? What makes this thing really shine? I I just I love that it's Harrison's like he he's commander right now, and I love I love seeing. It was so nice for me to listen and be like, all right, Harrison's calling all the shots here. I'm so curious to hear these songs. You know, and there were so many songs I didn't know. I did very, I did know my sweet Lord of Wawa, What Is Life, uh, All Things Must Pass. Um, but the other one, like I'd have you, like some of them I heard for the first time, I think, dude. And, and it was really cool, like the slide guitar and knowing it was Phil Spector and just like the strings and, and the brass and and the and the grooves and, and the drums and the you know the the massive vocals. It was it was really nice to hear. And uh, the first time I put it on, I was like doing something. I think I was like setting up like I bought like a new light for my studio and I just kind of had it on, you know, trying to hear it loosely and I, I was like, "Jesus, this is some tasteful stuff, like melodic and tasteful stuff." And and it really like it was coming out of my phone too, dude, not even my speakers and it was like I was like, "This is really nice." And of course, isn't it a pity it was like, "All right, this is definitely about the Beatles." And um uh, man, it was just awesome. And then, and then the more I heard it, the more I just, I just loved it. And you know, some songs like "Run of the Mill," "I Live for You," "Behind the Locked Door," "I Love Wawa" even more. "What Is Life," "I'd Have You Any Time," you know. It's like so many songs. Yeah, <laughs> it's like almost the whole album, basically. Yeah. How about you? Uh, so the just the tippy top of all this, just like the just immersive amazing perfection of this album for me it's like my sweet lord wawa uh waiting on you all we didn't even talk about ballad of sir frankie crisp but oh, i really yeah. like that one too um oh man what is life oh, Be- yeah. beware of darkness beware of darkness is so good too it's it's a little bit more of a sleeper but oh the way it just lilts and tilts and i, I love the way he sings Take a beware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pronunciation of that. Take a beware. Take a beware. Um, <laughs> That's good, dude. <laughs> oh, man. <sighs> yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm almost getting dizzy trying to, trying to take it all in. But, uh, so yeah, it's like if you, if you go, if he's, if he pared this down to one album, that would get a hundred from me. If you have just the first four sides, uh, you know, before you get into Apple Jam, that's a solid like ninety. And then if you include Apple Jam, it's like a seventy-nine. <laughs> but so for this, this spiritually, it's it's a it's a ninety-eight. No, it's a hundred. It's a hundred. You give it a hundred. I'm gonna just for the you know it's for, it's a freaking huge Beatles solo album. I'm gonna give it a hundred with an asterisk. It's a huge Beatles solo album. That's awesome. I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it a 95. Like it's amazing. It's an A. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's 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 great. For it really stuff. is. Oh man. Wow.
All right, that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, if you are a fan of the podcast, hey, you know what you can do? Go ahead and write a review or leave a rating on your platform of choice. I think iTunes is still the big game in town. Let people know you liked it. Get, uh, get some more eyes and ears on what we're doing. That would be great. And again, just thank you so much for listening, taking an interest in this. We are uh, really having a blast doing it, and we're going to keep on doing it. We're going to see what happens. We're talking Joni Mitchell's Hey Jira for next week. So definitely stay tuned. All right. See you later.